Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Show. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate the good uh, feedback we're getting on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can get it on there. Also, go to the code, uh, go to two under, the number two, UNDR.com for the best men's underwear out there. Use the code Ferraro20 to save yourself money, the best underwear out there. Many NHLers use it, and uh, so should you. So we appreciate you guys listening. And, of course, the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com. Uh, make a purchase on that. We get a small slice, and... Uh, Appreciate you guys doing that. With me on the line, Vesna Trophy winner, man who took uh, took his team to the Stanley Cup Finals, lost a game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, behind Marty Brodeur. Now the uh, general manager of the uh, Muskegon Lumberjacks, John Van Beesbrook. What's up, Beezer? How are you? Hey, good to be with you. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, it's it's great. So, hey, I was going to, right off the top, I guess... Uh, you know, I don't. I'm I'm Canadian, but I'm living in Vegas. But I don't know that much about the UC USHL. Did some research yep. on it. It's pretty much comparable to the CHL. And I was shocked yep. to find out that that league uh, had the most players drafted in the NHL draft, tied with the WHL in last year's NHL yeah. draft. So there we go. I didn't know much about it, but it seems like it's running well. Yeah, it's a pretty significant um, league in and of itself. Um, couple details with that with the ushl i mean it's it's basically its roots are based in development of tier one hockey in the united states and it's the only designate at junior hockey for tier one in the united states so there's 18 teams including uh the two teams at usa hockey which is the national development program at 17 and 18 years old Mm mm-hmm uh, but we can have players like major junior hockey from 16 to 20. Uh, same with OAs. We're allowed four. We have a different uh, distinction, and we can only have four imports. And a, you know, different from the CHL, an American is not deemed an import, mm-hmm. where all the players that are not native to the United States are, are deemed imports. So 425 players in the league, just about 90 Seven percent get a D1 scholarship to the 60 D1 schools in the United States. So, very significant league. And as you stated, 37 uh, was the total number of players drafted in the National Hockey League. You know, only 230 players drafted David uh, ba- last year. Yeah, so, David Backus played there. Jimmy Howard, like yeah, 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 yeah. It- yeah. Significant players uh, come through here. I mean. Max Pacioretty, you can go on, Justin Applicator, mm-hmm. good young pros. I mean, it's 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 the college route. It's the college route league. Yep. Um, one of the significant differences, too, is we don't get players back from after they get signed to NHL teams and come back to major junior. They they play college. Well, obviously, they can't get signed. But right, they, yeah. Our guys, our guys, we lose to college hockey. Yeah, so you're competing with the college, NCAA, for 
for players to get guys? Well, we're not competing with them. We're competing really for them. Mm-hmm. We're, their, we're their main feeder. If you look at the rosters of, of all the big schools, whether it's Michigan, Minnesota, mm-hmm. or what have you, uh, most of the players are coming from the USHL on those rosters. And then they come as either drafted players or then they get drafted from, depending on birth year and, right. and their age and all that stuff. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't know much about it, but um, obviously, you know, the NCAA, you know, the, you know, the, the CHL, you know, the, with the three leagues up there. So that's good. Um, and I guess when you were, but Muskegon itself has a long history of minor hockey league in the I, maybe in the A. When you were playing, it was a Pittsburgh, probably farm team. Yeah. So Muskegon's a good hockey town. It is. It is. It has a long, rich history over 50 years. You know, the, the building here is 60 years old and, I think they had a minor league team from its inception, mm-hmm. um, and they go back to what was known then as the Muskegon Mohawks. Uh, a lot of players from Montreal, and it was different in the old original six days. But now, right. as you stated, when it kind of moved to a, from a 21-team league to a 30-team NHL, still back in the 21-team uh, league, Pittsburgh, uh, this was their number one farm team, but at that time in the IHL in Muskegon. Right, right. Um, I remember a few years ago, just a while ago, I saw you on either Versus or OLN. I don't know what it was called back then. You were doing some media work. Uh, yep. You were coach at Sault Ste. Marie for a little bit. Then you did some yep. media work. Now you're the GM, director of player ops at Muskegon, like we talked about. Did you, did you not enjoy the media work? Was it always a way for you to get back into the game as a, you know in a manager position, or did you – did you want to keep going with media and this was too good of an opportunity to pass up? Or what What was that decision? No. Well, that decision, I really liked the media work. Um, I love the game of hockey, and I realized that I need the game more than the game needs me. But, <laughs> um, you know, I really liked the media work. There was a lot of shifting taking place, as you mentioned, versus um, and then the transition to NBC Sports right. now where we can find every game and, um, you know, I wanted to do games, if, if I had it in my own world, I wanted to do national games and okay. not just work for a specific team. You could be more independent that way. And, right. Um, did some games that way, uh, did some desks that way, learned a lot, did the Olympics on radio. I was, I was you know, sold out for it uh, mm-hmm. for a good five years. And then um, I got into a tech business um, known as Fast Hockey, which – we were broadcasting 30,000 games a year, live streamed on the Internet. Mm. Uh, the USHL uses Fast Hockey, and Hockey Canada uses Fast Hockey. So I got out of that, and, and mm-hmm. just at that time, this opportunity came up. And the secret sauce behind me coming to Muskegon is really my family was all on the west side of Michigan, and we could all be together, and I could do hockey. And uh, I, I just jumped on board here, and I like doing it. It, it keeps me up late at night, just like the old days. So, uh <laughs> You know, it's fun to be on the competitive side again. Yeah, a little bit. You miss that in the media, right? I know. I, like I said, I, yeah. before we talked, I talked to Ferraro a little bit, and he, yeah. you know, he's in the media. He loves it, but yeah, he, you know, it, it, he he he's okay with it because of the, he doesn't have the ups and downs of being yeah. being in the game, right? Like it doesn't have the heartbreak and and all that. So yeah, and there's you know, I mean, I, I know Ray well, and and. I'm, I'm sure he would love to have a lot of that. He's probably living it through his sons mm-hmm. you know, now and, and things like that. But it's not the same because it's really hard to, um, you know, get 
quality players now. I, I, you know, everybody. I mean, there's so much junior hockey. There's so much hunger for the next best player. You know, the United States yeah. has its best player playing in Switzerland now, and Austin right. Matthews, and so we we're seeing things that have never really occurred um, all throughout the game. But you know, it's fun to navigate those waters again. And even though we have some sleepless nights, and I'm probably losing a little <laughs> bit more hair, right? Um, you know, it, it would probably be nice to do a game on television again and go home after the game and say that was just fun to watch and be a part of. Yeah, know? really, but, right? You're back it, in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Back in the fire. Um, uh, actually, too, the west side of Michigan there, I spent a couple summers in Ludington, not far from Muskegon. Oh, and, yeah. and it's underrated, man. People think of, you know, kind of Detroit and, and Michigan and that stuff. But you get out that way and you get up in the UP and all that, and it's beautiful. Yeah, you no. Know. 150 miles of, of pristine beach um, hooked on to Lake Michigan. Uh, salmon fishing is wonderful. Yeah. 300-foot dunes up in Ludington, you probably – have the most significant thing up there with, um, you know, sleeping bear dunes is what it's called. Yeah. You know, it's basically two miles of a big desert all the way to the water, and you can brave the elements if you want to walk all the way across. So there's some fun things to do for kids, families, and natural resources. It's just a fantastic place. Well, I don't know how you feel about this, Beezer, but I rode a dirt bike in those dunes a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I'm cool with that. Okay, all right. <laughs> my, my, my youngest son's all into that, and... Um, we get deep into the sand once in a while. Cool. When you're over 50, it's probably not a great thing to do. <laughs> right, you right. come out feeling like you're 70, but yeah. um, it's it's really, there's a lot of resources. I mean, the hunting and the, the fishing and the outdoor world yeah. here on the west side of Michigan is pretty special. And again, hard to do a media job from Muskegon, the west side of Michigan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you no, know, I mean, you're traveling or whatever, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I started doing media. I was up in the Sioux, and it was long travel. And then we moved to Detroit. And, you know, when I was going out and did whatever the events, like you mentioned, versus events, mm-hmm. and we got to some of the places, it wasn't hard to travel from Detroit. It's a good hub. Yeah. And then, you know, it's central to hockey uh, in the United States. I mean, a lot, lot's going through Detroit. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I had uh, Jamie McLennan on last week, Darren Pang on a couple of weeks ago. Huge, you know, topic in hockey right now is the size of the nets and the goaltending equipment. And you're a guy, you played in an era where you won a Vesna trophy uh, with a save percentage of, um, let's see here, it was uh, 887 and a goals against of 332, mm-hmm. different era. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you moved, you did play in the era where things got bigger, your numbers got smaller. Um, and so you've kind of played in both. And there's yeah. talk, lots of talk about nets. I myself think the equipment should be smaller. Uh, McLennan is with me on that. Where do you stand on this? Is there even a problem? Do you even think all this uprage, all this uproar is um, is much ado about anything? Well, I mean, I'm listening to the comments from the sideline. I I don't believe that the net should be um, enlarged, if that's a word, or made larger. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do believe, though, that the equipment is a factor. Uh, the way that the pads roll, and uh, from the time that that Darren and Jamie and my, myself played, you know the pads roll on. They wear them loosely, and the pads roll now. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like you're wearing an accordion down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and with that comes the chest and arm and the looseness of the of the uniform. And you know, a time. I mean, if you looked at it, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but if a guy like Chris Osgood, from the time that Chris played 
and started, you know, wearing a 45 pant to a 60 pant mm-hmm. size. I mean, because you can wear that, you wear it. And I believe that, you know, the topic never really got, uh, it was a topic for a while, but it really never got uh, totally discussed and then carried out, I believe, mm-hmm. in the goalie equipment and the way it's worn and allowed to be manufactured. I, I think that, you know, I don't want to be comparing to wood bats and right. uh, baseball or any other sport, but, you know, there really isn't. I mean, if you if you got a guy in there that, like, when we played, um, maybe not Jamie as much as Darren and myself, w- which we can call back in the day, right? Um, we got hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of fear, and and the game was – and this is the significant thing that I think it is. The game was coached so much different than it is now. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the, the the great coaching that we have has led to the lower goals against, I believe, in the blocking of shots by forwards. Yeah. I mean, there is just – I mean, we're talking about goaltending and nets, but, I mean, everybody's a goaltender out there now, yep. right now. Yeah, and. and uh, the significance of blocking shots, I think, is the bigger factor. And I don't really think that we should call penalties or for blocking shots, but I believe that there are some different structures to the game. I mean, when you know, when you win a Vesna Trophy with an under nine percent save percentage, you you know, you're basically playing a game where it's back and forth. And yeah. You know, how many rush chances do you see these days? You just don't yeah. see them, and and. When when the dynasties were dynasties back in the day with the Islanders and then handing a torch over to the Oilers, it was rush chance over after rush chance. I mean, they didn't really want to cycle the puck too much. Right. And they weren't taught to cycle the puck that much. Now that's a staple in every game where the puck possession and the turnover, I mean, a guy can't play if he turns the puck over three times in a period. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's sitting on the bench. He just can't play right. anymore. Right. You know, and so – are we we're at that point where it's perfect coaching mm-hmm. and and I believe that the coaching is fantastic. Every one of the guys in the National Hockey League absolutely knows what he's doing because his best friend, the computer, tells him that. Yeah. And you know, since Roger really Roger Nielsen ushered in the time of video, uh, I mean, basically following the the principles of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game is coached in a total different way. I mean, how? I mean, yeah. players. I, I, I'm switching away from goalies a little bit because I think there's only so much you can do. Right. Um, I don't believe that the net piece, you know, I mean, we've already seen a strategic change in the way the game is defended, the way the game is goal kept, if you want to use that term. I mm-hmm. mean, goalies today play the game totally different um, than they they did back when I played. Yeah. And so having said all that, I mean, is is, is really – changing the net side is going to do anything to change that strategy or the, the way the position's played. And I believe that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I believe the game is fantastic right now. I wouldn't want to mess with it. I'd like some of the different principles I'd like to see tried again, maybe a red line back in, mm-hmm. maybe, a, a you know, like why are we letting a guy back out of the box, at, you know, after scoring a goal? Maybe the two-minute penalty should stay. Sure. Time. Yeah. I mean, it was only done because in 1975, the flying Frenchman from Montreal used to score four goals <laughs> right. in the power play, and the game was over. Right. Now we have, I mean, uh, we have guys, we, we score a goal on a delayed call, let's say. Yeah. And the team doesn't have to serve the penalty. It should be double. 
It should. Why should the guy not sure. go into the box? He caused the penalty. He did, yeah. So the guy scored. Mm-hmm. That's just a bonus. Right. So, But we continue to, to try to focus on goal tank. I believe that there's little, there's little things within our rules that weren't intended to be that way that would aid to more scoring and be uh, different elements of the game. Yeah, it's uh, one. I mean, Kay Whitmore at the NHL, there he is. You know, they mark all the equipment coming in. Um, and, you know, one of Ray's things is like, hey, look, Carey Price and, and Ryan Miller aren't the same size, so let's look at make them wear the same size, the pant that fits them. And, like you mentioned, Osgood going, you know, in change. He didn't change in size. And I don't know if you no. did that when you did you did you wear bigger equipment because they weren't really checking? Were you just like, cool, I'm going bigger? <laughs> well, no, they didn't manufacture it. Oh, okay, they didn't even make well, it. All right, the, yeah, yeah. That's the point: is the manufacturers are where the restrictions should come. I mean, right. guys are going to wear stuff. I mean, look at the gloves. Nobody even talks about that anymore. Yeah, the big cheater. I mean, the big since, cheater thing. Yeah. yeah. Ever since Tony put the cheater in between the thumb and the mm-hmm. and the cuff, you know, nothing's turned back. Right. Right. But again, like you said, you got hurt in your day. Nobody wants that. You know. So nobody, yeah. you know. So there's a, such a fine line there. Uh, absolutely. Do you uh, do you like the three on three? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it better than a shootout, uh, just because of the factors that are involved with making plays and having to watch your man. And the mm-hmm. principles of the game are still applied. Right. Um, and I, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not a, a shootout fan or an advocate for it and whatnot. What I am saying is I just like the principles of the game completely as a team game to be carried out to the end. Right. Yeah, it does seem weird. You know, we have the, you know, obviously in the playoffs it doesn't happen and it's a complete team game and everything else and there's, you know, and everything else. And then, but, well, but, but to get to the playoffs is determined somewhat by individual skill. It is. And yeah. it's totally, one note on goaltending is just, it's totally usurped the stat system. So, what do I mean by that? And I'm I'm not trying to talk and cry sour grapes, but you know, guys can have guys can have forty win seasons now because they don't get a loss if they lose in a in a tie game. The only thing you can do is win. So all the stats previous to shootout and overtime tie overtime loss and those categories totally changed all the stats. So it allowed for, in that year, it allowed for Brodeur to break Perrant's record. It's allowed for guys to amass wins in situations and not get losses. So it's totally totally changed the, the relativity of the, the statistical game. And I believe that it, it's correlating now to the way the game is coached, you know, the way the game is being over an 80-game season played mm-hmm. out, and it's, I'm not saying that it's all bad. I'm just saying yeah, that it's just yeah. It's adjusting the scoring principles of the game, and people want to see more scoring. Well, look at why don't we start with some of the old principles? Keep the guy in the box. Yeah, you could possibly score, and and um, when there's a delayed call, you know, right. and the guy scores, he's still going to the box. It is crazy I mean, too when you talk about the blocking the shots, like. You watch old yeah. hockey, which I do quite a bit because I'm dorky that way. Um, yeah, guys are not blocking them. They're getting out of the way. No. <laughs> they're, they're just like, I don't want to get well, hit. <laughs> well, the, the best players in the game spend the most time on the ice. Yeah. And 
And so back in the day, the best players on the ice weren't even getting near a block shot. Yep. Unless, you know, unless he was a real 200-foot two-way player, an Adam Graves type of player that would do everything and had all elements to his game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, don't, we live in a time now where, you know, defense skate as fast as forwards. Yeah. And guys are more willing than anybody I've ever seen. And everybody wears a shield. And mm-hmm. I can go on. And there's yeah, no yeah. more fighting and policing of the game. And we have a concussion problem that's, you know, an issue. Mm-hmm. And blindside checks and guys getting their sticks up. I mean, all these things are elements of the game that in and of itself have added to, um, I believe, the reduction in scoring. And the game's policed in a totally different way. Uh, you've got, as I said, I mean, you'd think that with all the elements and better athletes and all these things that are in the game, it would add up to more scoring, but it's add up to less. And yep. not that it's a bad thing. And I, right. I, to me, I love a 2-1 game. I really do. And I believe the way the guys are competing, heck, I mean, you know, People say that if Mario and, and Gretz played in this game where there's no hooking and holding, they'd probably have 200 points. I'm not so sure because the yeah. way that the D can skate, the way the goalies play, the way the game's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the way the game's coached is totally different. I mean, they're just not going to change rush, chase, you know, right. exchange rush chance after rush chance with the best players on the ice. It's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, and you watch some of those old goals getting scored, and the guys aren't going to the ice. Like Kirk McLean and these, they were stand-up no. goalies, and they just weren't dropping, you know. And, and like, yeah, well, they were they were angle goalies. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just stand-up because Kirk played kind of a hybrid, and he'd stand up more than he'd go down. But you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we did how many six-five guys do we have? Yeah, true, um, absolutely. You know, yep. I mean, now guys are that's the athletic part. I mean, but in Look at let's give them. I I want to give them full credit. I believe that they're fantastic athletes, but this is where the changes lie. Where we've come from. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sticks, the skates, the equipment, the manufacturing of equipment has totally revolutionized the game. Like it has in other things too. Everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really yeah. has. Yeah. Um, when you meet fans of yours, uh, do they want to talk about? The Panthers or the Rangers? Depends how old they are. Or how does that go Depends for you? Where I am. Okay. Depends on where I am. <laughs> because um, you know you had some great runs in both places and were big fan favorite in both places. I'm just curious though. Yeah, you know, I mean, I it's fun to uh, be in different places and hear them talk, um, hear them, you know, remember and recall past situations, and you know when a game's on as a uh, you know, a game from the past, they say, you know, I'll get a text, I watch this game, and then I'll run into somebody at the, you know, supermarket or wherever I am uh, getting a coffee. Um, and, you know, it, it's uh, it's few and far between now because I'm far removed from the game. But when I do run into people, they like to talk. They like to talk Florida a lot with the throne of the rat. That's still a <laughs> yeah. pretty big story. I was down there recently recently got inducted into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame and 
people are still living on that, and it's it's uh, some would call it sad, but I think it's really <laughs> special. Right? Um, yeah. Well, there hasn't been much going on in Florida since you since you were there. You know, um, they talk about some of these teams: um, Phoenix, Florida. Now Carolina's kind of going through it, and I'm always I always think about like, and I, you were playing then. Chicago was a ghost town. You have to win, and all these markets will work, in my opinion, anyways. You know, and they just haven't yeah. been able to do that. So yeah, and you know, it's it's sad for the teams that have to go through the cycle of being down for a bit. Um, you know, like I'll tell you from the grassroots side of it, though. There's uh, 12 players from Florida playing in the USHL this year, mm. which is, yeah. and the, bet, the the number one overall pick this year in the NHL draft, Austin Matthews, grew up in Arizona. He did, yeah. Um, there's fantastic players from Texas and all over, I mean, San Diego. And, and I mean, the, the what the NHL has done for this sport is totally changed the game. And Florida, you know, God love them for you know, spending a lot of money and building grassroots. I mean, as far as the nation building going on, it's, we're starting to see it come. Um, we're starting to see it come in a big way uh, to, you know, guys that are totally sold out for the game. Now, is that affecting the team? And really, are they getting a benefit from it? Well, they're not getting a direct benefit. Um, you know, like this, the crowds are sparse down mm-hmm. in Florida, mm-hmm. and they play a lot of Monday night games, you know, so schedule dictates a lot of that. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that they've um, done bad things down there. They've done good things. They've they've promoted it. They've, you know, doing all the things. Their, their staff is working at it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a matter of, as you stated, and when you catch the wave of the wind and you can really – you get a guy like an Ovechkin, a Crosby. I mean, down there they have some fantastic players, Jonathan Huberdo, and you can go through Bugstad and the defense that you know won the Calder. But it's it's not the same as the same fervor isn't down there as as in right. Toronto and and some of the places. I mean, even L.A. I mean, they won two cups in the last decade, and you know it, it comes and goes. But Chicago is mm-hmm. probably the best illustration of them all. It was, you know, in the late '90s. You can get a ticket there very easy, and now yep. they have one of the best. They have one of the best crowds, and you know. But over that time, the national anthem there is still maintained as the best in the league. Mm-hmm. They, they still have done the same principles, and they haven't moved from it. Hockey first. It's not a circus, and now their teams, you know, won three Stanley Cups in six years or whatever it is. Yeah, and right. They're at the top, but. You know, give credit to the player. I mean, Taze and Kane. I mean, yep. Hosa and Crawford and their D with Keith and Seabrook. And you go down the list. I mean, they've done a nice job with the team and full credit to, to their staff for mm-hmm. developing from within, you know. The the year you won the Vesna, um, let's get in the time machine a little bit here, go back. Uh, it was a gritty Ranger team. You were, it was your second year of full-time duty. And... It was. I, I was surprised when I was doing the research for this. I remember you guys weren't, you know, like a top team in the league, but you actually finished under five hundred and just got on yeah. a roll. Um, yeah. And you, you know, obviously you lost to the Habs and that Patrick Waugh guy, who was, you know, also kind of yeah. breaking through. He was a rookie then, and you were only yeah. your second year. But did you have any idea, like during the season, that hey, we can do something in the playoffs, or what happened in the playoffs that you guys kind of just started knocking these guys down? 
Well, it was it was 1986, and um, you know we finished the season very strong, mm-hmm. and we, we were playing at what was known then as a system. <laughs> uh, not a lot of teams were playing a system, uh-huh. and actually Montreal, when we played them, and um, they were playing a trap. Um, you know, they had great players coming through, a young mm-hmm. Claude Lemieux and Stefan Richer, and I mean. You know, in a combination with some of their old guys like Bob Ganey and Larry Robinson, I mean, yep. it was, they were they were they were they had veteran leadership, and then and then Patrick came on the scene and just competed his way, you know, his way, and and Montreal's had that knack of calling the guy up from the minors, the Ken Dryden, and he leads them. Steve the Penny, yeah, Steve Penny, one Steve year, Penny. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, and so and so, what happens is. And in that particular time for our team, the Rangers, I mean, we had some good young players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Miller was a young player. Mike Ridley, we had those two guys, you know, pushing. We had George McPhee, who was a young guy at that time, and and we did have some good veteran players. You know, Pierre Larouche, uh, you know, they called him back up. That was the most significant thing in the season. Is if we could score some goals, like we were defending real well. Yeah. Pierre got called up. I think he scored like he, ten goals in his first he had a, fifteen games. He had twenty yeah. goals in twenty eight games. That's a call. Twenty up. goals. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? The two years previous that he had forty eight, and he would have been the first player in the history of the National Hockey League who scored fifty goals with three different teams. Did Sater? Did Sater just not like him? Ted Sater? What happened to Bear, yeah, Pierre? Well, he got buried. <laughs> well, it was it was the it was his um, commitment to defense, right? Mm. I mean. If you're yeah, not yeah. going to play, you're not going to play away from the puck. You're not going to play. And um, you know, Mike Rogers went down that year too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are two significant goal scoring mm-hmm. players. And so, w- what I would say is, w- we got you know, we picked up a couple. We got a tough guy in Wolf Paymont. We got tougher on the blue line. And you know, we got Larry Melnick, who's really tough too from from Edmonton. And, and yep. With our toughness and chipping in the goals, and then Pierre, I mean, we we had a factor going on there, and we went into we went into Philly and beat them in the first game, and then they were in, kind of stunned because yeah. they were the number one team. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we pulled off a shocker. But you know, one of the things that kind of gets lost, and I'll bring it up just for our our sake, and people ask me how you won the Vezina Trophy, and it has a little bit of messaging to it, is. Kelly Lindbergh died that year in a car accident. Yeah. And, um, you know, so a guy had had to die for me to gain something, you know. I mean, there's significant messaging in that, you know, mm-hmm. as a core principle in life. But, um, you know, think about that. And I bring that up all the time when I'm speaking and talking to people that Kelly, you know, he was God rest his soul. Was yeah. fan, he was probably going on his way to win his third Vezna. And, and, you know, take nothing away from from their goalies and Bob Froze and those guys. Um, we just beat them, mm-hmm. and you know, then we went on to um, we went on to play the next best team, and that was Washington. <laughs> yeah. was, you know, and they had fantastic players, and and you know, um, Pete Peters in goal, and Gar- right out to Gartner, and, right? Gartner was there, and uh... well, they had. I think they had. Three guys on their point that had 20 goals. Yeah. You know, Kali Johansson, Kevin Hatcher, and Ally Frady all had 20 goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a top team, and we beat them, and I think we stunned them with uh, just, 
you know, playing strong away from the puck, getting some, getting some bounces, and mm-hmm. you know, and then we're they're playing Montreal, and I, I like to talk about that probably more than any other series is because for me it was probably the time that vaulted me in my career to say, hey, this guy legitimately can play. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it was. Uh... Yeah, it did, to me, and again, I'm just a, a fan on the couch. Yeah, I didn't know much about you, and then you kind of gritty play playing, you know, teams under 500. But then in the playoffs, man, people were just like this this Van Beesburg guy. He's making it happen for these, you know. Unfortunately, Patrick Waugh was also as great, and like you said, they had a better they were playing a nice system. But it really was a time where you you know you made your mark, and and winning yeah. the, winning the Vezina must have been you must have been like holy crap! I just won the Vezina Trophy. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, when you go through that, you don't yeah. think of trophies and sure. things. You're, and and you don't think about winning in the playoffs as much. You just play game by game, and you know how difficult it is to win in the playoffs. And people want to give a lot of credit to goaltending. Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't have it, you're not going to win in the playoffs. And but each day to feel settled and calm and to go out there and execute. I mean, those things it takes an enormous amount of effort and uh, control. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot of, you know sacrifice i mean you're basically sacrificing every day of your life to get in that mindset to play and it's you're totally sold out for the game that those are the days that you just long for as a competitive guy is to be in that so-called zone to sell yourself out you know um i mean when you watch games and people whatever whatever sporting event it is you see guys selling themselves out you just can't you know it, yeah. You, know, yeah. you, you just know it, right? Yeah. And also, too, to be playing. You're American, and you're playing in New York City, and we know yeah. what happened in '94 when they won. It was berserker, and you, you're, yeah. run, you're going to conference finals. That also must have been a magical time where the city's behind you. You're in New York, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, uh, that year '94 for them. I mean, they were the best team in the league pretty well all year. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of snuck up on everybody, and so they got really excited for for that month. I mean, the place, the yep. New York was was surprised for you know because New York knows just about everything. Um, <laughs> we we surprised New York with a little bit of right. New York Rangers hockey, and you know, like everybody expects them now. With you know, the expectations is what I what I'll say is blanket statement. The expectations are so much different now there. Because they have a top goalie, um, they have a really good hockey team, and I think they expect them to win. In '94, I think, you know, the, the the team that was better, I believe, was when Mark Messier first came over and we mm-hmm. won the President's Trophy um, with uh, Nielsen, yeah. right? Roger was, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Our, his first year there, we really turned a corner and we became a better team, and we lost to Pittsburgh in the playoffs that year, but. Um, you know, Pitt went on to win. But yeah. the point I'm trying to make is, you know, I mean, when you're going to win the whole thing, you've got to be capable. And in 94, they were capable from the beginning of, beginning of the season. And in 86, we we basically weren't capable right. until the end <laughs> until of the Until the season. end, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the next few years in the Rangers, as far as the Rangers are concerned, um, again, I'm a guy on the couch in Canada, in Winnipeg, <laughs> but... Uh, Esposito comes in, and I don't really know what I like. Phil as a you know, just as I read his book and I see him on TV and listen to him on the radio, he's entertaining. 
I don't really know what Phil was doing, though, with, with those years. Uh, Eight million trades, uh, Guy Lafleur, Marcel, Marcel Dion. Um, it was very traumatic for you guys, I guess, seeing guys coming and going. He was just making trades like no other. So it was a weird, weird time yeah, for I the Rangers. We, <laughs> I think we had like 50 transactions that year. Yeah, um, yeah. Phil. Um, <laughs> and Phil, you know, Phil, I, I think people like Phil, and I like Phil. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he was doing things that he thought was were were good to get bring in some some names and yeah. some veteran guys. I mean, you're like, hey, but, Gila Fleur's here. <laughs> yeah, playing with a flower for a couple of years was fun. Sure, and right. and um, and Marcel as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great honor to play with those guys. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Kelly Miller and Mike Ridley went on to have some pretty good years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and sure. consistent years. And, you know, I mean, but that's hockey. Um, you know, it takes all kinds of characters. And <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Definitely one. And, and, you know, I mean, that time when Michelle Bergeron was there and things like that, this is all previous to, to Roger and right. Neil Smith and all that. Yep. But after 86 and then 87 and when, when – when Neil, or I mean, when um, Bergeron and uh, Phil come in, yeah, Bergeron and Phil. I mean, it was like it was like oil and water. I mean, <laughs> you got a French guy and an yeah. Italian guy, and right. It was like a major motion picture every day. But yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed the times. Yeah. I just didn't, you know, I well, thought we would be a much better team, and we had some good young players. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, we weren't we weren't the, uh, as tough a team. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean it was it was kind of weird because um, I think I think Phil tried to search for it and when you're on the competitive side of the game and I'm managing a team now I mean you, you got to really watch um, like you, you start chasing you start emo- chasing yeah. things your emotions too right like 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 calm down do. like sleep yeah. on it like sleep on the sleep on the anger or the decisions you want to make or whatever right like just and maybe Phil needed to do that more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the ups and downs of the game are the ups and downs, and they're mm-hmm. going to be there. And but you know, as a leader, you got to understand where you are in the whole deal. I mean, if you if you think you're better than you actually are, then yeah, you're going to chase it a little bit too much. But and um, you end up at some point, Bob Froze comes over, and you guys are yeah. you guys are solid. Like that's great goaltending. And again, I'm a Leaf fan, so I always looking at Rangers, going, can we get Froze as a backup? He's a backup. Yeah. You know, he, the guy was great. Um, and then Richter comes in in the early 90s. You're the yep. guy. You're the established guy. Richter's coming in. Uh, I remember it was a little, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a little awkward, like kind of like who do we want to go with? You know, Beezer's getting older. Richter's our new guy. But was there tension between you and Mike? How was that handled for, on your end? No, I wouldn't. Uh, there was never tension, but yep. healthy competitiveness, right. I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I – Learned a lot from Mike. I respected him as a, a young player. Um, you know, he played in the minors for three and a half years. So right. uh, after the Olympics in '88, he paid his dues and played. Our, our minor league team was in Denver at that time, and Mike developed into a fantastic goalie um, and a great athlete and a good and a good person. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to to have a uh, you know yeah. to have something wrong with that as a matter of fact i i mean i count him as a good friend and like i said i i learned a lot i 
he pushed me, mm-hmm. which at that time you don't look at as as welcoming, but it was healthy sure. for me as far as uh, being in top condition and also pushing me to achieve and wanting to be better and wanting to be more consistent. And, you know, but at that time, too, you know, we, we had a massive expansion happening. Yep. And uh, there were gonna, there was way more opportunity. Um, you know, the, the the most significant thing it was salaries going. Yeah. Up. And um, yeah, that was a disclosure know, Mike, time, right? Like Goodnow kind of like pushed you guys to disclose all your salaries and yeah, yeah. disclosure um, was the biggest piece. And then with that, I mean, you know, the I mean, in, in that competitiveness too. You know, sharpens. You know, iron sharpens iron. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that competitive, that competitiveness. You know, pushed me to want to continue to play and be at the top of the game and be at the top of the league in all statistical categories, which I fortunately was most yeah. every year. You know, so uh, I mean, I I wouldn't change all the mechanics uh, of those things that happened and being exposed and going to Florida and all that stuff. I wouldn't change it. I mean. Uh, people often ask me, "Would you trade it for '94?" And <laughs> yeah, and and you're kind of tempted. <laughs> yeah, really, right? But you can't, you cannot change time. And, yeah, and I'm very, well, I was very fortunate to play as long as I did, and t- I was very fortunate to see uh, a payday at the end of my career too. Yeah, so, and um, I remember. You know, the rules were you can only pick, protect one goaltender, and you guys, you and Richter, were really good, both of you. And it was like, oh, Van Beesbrook's like, like someone's getting him, like he's gone. And you were, I think you were the first pick. Uh, you got traded to Vancouver for, for, for yeah. you know, for something, um, for some reason that Vancouver. Litzer. Yeah, for Litzer. That's it. Who actually lived the won a cup? <laughs> yeah, um, and played very well. Played very so well. when Florida picks you, um, you take your game kind of to a new level. Roger Nielsen's the coach, and like you said, he's defensive guy. He's video. He's putting in a solid system, and your numbers just start taking off. Um, you know, you were better than ever that first year with an expansion team. So, yeah, you know, I guess yeah. in one way, like you got you played a ton too. So, you know, you were back just on a Florida Panthers. Well, it was just uh, you know new challenge, mm-hmm. um, really digging in. Um, you know. Uh, you know, people don't call the NHL a development league for sure, but it's a professional league that people do continue to develop in. Mm-hmm. And and I was, you know, I was starting to uh, grow. I mean, mature as a person, and and you know, really start to develop the mental side of the game. And um, you know, some things significant. You know, when you move like that, and you've been in New York, yeah, had some success. Um, then you move. I mean, you got to remake yourself. And I, I took on this, you know, renew and remake mantra in my head that every day you got up, you got to renew and remake yourself. Nobody's going to give you anything. The trade and this expansion thing is is uh, an example prime number one that mm-hmm. nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Nobody's going to hand you anything. So you better dig in. And I did. Uh, got in great shape. Uh, practiced hard every day. And um, which living in Florida, yeah. living down in Miami, you had to really be disciplined. <laughs> well, yeah, and credit to the organization for setting up a good environment. So, mm-hmm. you know, Florida, the Florida gig was was a real special time. I mean, yeah. we we rooted the team and had some success, and they got on the map. And 
you know, we had a, a wildly popular owner. Um, and, you know, it was just fun. Yeah. It was a time of fun being being in on the grassroots of and ground floor of something. And, you know, whenever you can get there, I mean, uh, a lot of players wanted to then come play there. And I believe that players, it's a very attractive place to play, but mm-hmm. it's a very hard place to be disciplined, as you said. And you ditched your helmet and got maybe the coolest goalie mask in the yeah. era. That thing was pitching. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, changed some images, and, yeah. and um, the mask became very popular. You know? Yeah. The run to the finals uh, a couple years later, Doug McLean's the coach, by the way. Do, what do you think of when you see McLean on TV now? <laughs> Are you like, hey, that's my coach? That's great. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a I character. I think he's excellent. Yeah. I think he's excellent. Um, I think he, they do a nice job. I mean, I love the... I love to watch that broadcast. You, you learn a lot. I mean, their insights are intriguing. Um, Doug had a lot of time on benches. I didn't know at the time that he was with uh, with Brian Murray for so long. Okay. And Brian, yeah. beca- Brian became the GM, and he hired Doug as a coach. And, um, you know, we were still looking at Roger as a, you know, uh, a leader. And, mm-hmm. you know, but changes happen, and, and you got it. And, so Doug came in and did a wonderful job. Lindy Ruff, Dwayne Sutter as assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Both guys uh, became head coaches. Obviously, Lindy is long tenure and still coaching now yeah. in Dallas. I mean, yep. uh, you got to be surrounded with good people. But Doug was – I really liked him. I, I really thought he was honest. I, I think that uh, – I think he is when he's on the broadcast. Yeah, now. he seems like it, right? Yeah, yeah, he really I seems like, like he just doesn't really care that much about – Hurting feelings, which in the media you got to be careful of. I, I cover another sport for a living, and I, I've certainly yeah. pissed off some people with an opinion here and there. And yeah. he seems yeah. to just be one of those guys. Um, the uh, the the Panther team that went to the final, you guys lost to the Avalanche. That Wall guy again, damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of remind. Did it remind you of your Ranger team a little bit? Like gritty, like a lot of worker guys, a lot of dudes just doing, you know, going up and down and playing hard. Really. The New the New Jersey team? No, the Panther team that went to the final. Oh, the Panther yeah. team that yeah, like, the Panther team that the Panther team that went to the final was a gritty yeah. hard nose. We were tough. Um, we had a, a a really good young we had a good young defenseman coming up in Ed Jovanovsky and another right. one in Rhett Warner. Mm-hmm. And but the guy that really there's a couple guys that really popped that year for us, and one of them was Robert Svela. Oh yeah, um, right. The Slovakian bulldog defenseman that was just fantastic for us, and and then our forwards. You know, we had young Rob Niedermeyer at the time, but Brian Scrudland and, and yeah. Scott Mellaby and Stu Barnes and Tommy Fitzgerald and Dave Lowry. I mean, Mike Huff. I mean, everybody pitched in, yeah. and uh, we got just enough scoring. You know, they still show Billy Lindsay's goal against Boston <laughs> on the on the screen down there. So yeah. that's fun still. And, and you know what? I mean, playoffs people people really rise to the occasion. I mean, we rose to the occasion, and we're a tough team to beat. And it was it was a time where uh, the two hundred foot player um, and and the systems really got locked into the NHL. Right. That, that was the time that the you know and and you know people people forget this part because um, it's always the next year then. We started the next year sixteen and three. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. We started sixteen and three, and, and the team traded Stu Barnes um, at, to Pittsburgh. And you know, 
again, it's it's one trade, you know, but yep. it's a group that really comes together, and then we seem to really, from that point, it kind of changed everything. Interesting, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and one guy, no matter what their size, uh, what what they, you know, when, when you're out there and, and you go to the dance and, you know, you take a guy, a core guy out of that, that group, it, it changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to Chicago. I don't know how they keep doing it, taking core guys <laughs> I out. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a special time in South Florida. There's no doubt about it, man. And uh, you were a big part of that, though. You were huge. It was it was big. And then who can forget the rats coming down? Melonby kills a rat in a dressing room is the, is the story. And somehow, yeah. and then you're in your net because you just don't want to get hit by rats anymore. Like, insane. Insane yeah. time. <laughs> Well, it started with Melby thirty goals that year, and then the people just uh, painted a rat number twenty-seven and threw <laughs> right. it on the ice when he scored. But when we got to the playoffs, every time a goal oh, was scored, through. and then they were recycling them. They had bags, you know, like yeah, after yeah. game, see them collecting them, and then they'd resell them for the next game. And oh. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, I'll tell you one thing: it was, it was a Stanley Cup type of atmosphere every game. And the connection with the fans was every bit as much as important to our that fan base mm-hmm. and what happened down there than anything that that city has ever seen. Yeah. Um, and you know, people talk about it in the same context as the '72 Dolphins. You know, right? Winning every game and winning the Super Bowl. I mean, they put it in the same context. I mean, come on, I mean, who could ever <laughs> think that right. that would be in the same context? And and it's still there today. And that's something nobody will ever be able to take away from us. You guys Special. beat you guys beat Pittsburgh, Mario Yager, yeah. all those Francis, all those guys, and yeah. and then you come up against Colorado. And I remember thinking as a guy, like, why can't they beat Colorado? They just beat Pittsburgh, which is probably the best yeah. team in the league. But yet, you, I think you guys got swept. Uh, did did yeah. you run out of energy? Like, was it just one of those things where it, you know that you kind of for for whatever reason it wasn't working? Like, we're looking back on that, what do you think happened? What I think happened was Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, <laughs> Patrick Waugh, right. Adam Foot, right. Blake. I mean, do I need to keep going? Yeah, yeah. But, Pittsburgh, Elon, but, but, but you beat Mario in Pittsburgh. They were I great. Know, <laughs> um, you asked me what we ran into. That's what we ran into. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know how much people talk about Peter Forsberg anymore, but mm-hmm. at that time in his career, he may have been the best player in the league. Yeah, phenomenal, huh? I mean, let alone Joe Sackick and 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 uh, Patrick, you know. But when that team got Patrick, um, you know, it, it changed their it changed their attitude back there, and they had a different swagger in the way they played. But mm-hmm. I mean, um, why? Going back to your question, why couldn't we beat them? We could beat them. Yep. Um, you know, we were up. We were up in games, and when we got up in games, we didn't relinquish leads, and we did in the first game, and they beat us, I think, 3-2, mm-hmm. came back. And then the second game, we got we got smoked. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it was a big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I, I don't want to call a run out of gas. We kind of ran out of goals, um, you know. Mm-hmm. In, some, in games, you, you need to get breaks, and you need to, you know, when you get to the big stage, you need to get some goals, and um, you know, and you need to keep them out. Yeah, yeah. So, well, 
Um, you know, you can talk to Vancouver, who's lost a couple times in the finals, and, it, and it's you know you can talk to the teams that lost, and um, you know it's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you leave Florida, you sign with Philly, um, and I felt like you guys lost to the Leafs in the first round of that year, and I felt like at the time the media was really hard on you in particular. Did you feel like that? Did you feel like, hey, wait a minute, it was a, it's a team game, like. You know, I just remember yeah. you're reading things like guys were pretty hard on you. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, we, um, I think we only gave up yeah, what, what it was. Yeah. Series, it was like it, nine or something goals mm-hmm. out of 1.4 goals again. Right. Nine point, 9.4 save percentage or 0.94. Yep. You know, look at that doesn't, that doesn't carry. And they're, they're critical of that. I think because Philly didn't get, the, the Philly press didn't get the guy they wanted. They wanted Curtis Joe. Cujo, yeah, right. And and so they opted to go for me. Um, we played Toronto. We are a better team, but we had a lot going on. We had a we had an Eric Lindo Eric Lindros issue mm-hmm. uh, for the second half of the season. That I believe if Eric was healthy, uh, we we were up there with one of the top teams in the league. Um, we lost two games in overtime. I mean. Um, but you know what? You can only look as far as yourself. I mean, I wanted yeah. to play that. I mean, I was good. That I was good the year. I was good the next year. They played Brian Boucher, and we went to the conference finals with him. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I don't, I don't look at that as anything other than just hockey decisions. Yeah, and, yeah. Like you don't get, you don't you get. Know. Yeah, you don't get. I mean, obviously, it's years later, years later now. But you're not like you know pissed off about it still or whatever. But. No, I'm thankful yeah. for the opportunity. I love the organization. I, you know, would I want like to win that series and move on? And mm-hmm. you know, winning series is what it's all about. And you know, but Philly makes a lot of their uh, a much to do about their goaltending all the time. They always do. They still do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and last I checked, is the goalie's their GM, and he's a pretty significant guy. So yeah, <laughs> uh, where do you stand on the Lindros in the Hall of Fame thing? I mean, you got a front row seat. For a couple of years there. Yeah, I think I think he's definitely in. Um, I don't think that there was a guy. I mean, people people want to talk about Stanley Cups and stuff, and he, you know he won an MVP in a shortened season, and there wasn't a more dominant player. I mean, you got to look at it as contributions to the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made a huge contribution to the game, and I thought that that was the number one merit. I mean, we're letting people in that didn't really comp- contribute anything to the NHL. Surprised you didn't get more of a sniff, to be honest. Obviously, I'm kissing your ass because you're on the show. But I mean, 13th or 11th or something all time in wins? No, not really. Yeah, that's that. that you know, I yeah. mean, I'm not a uh, uh, look at. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about. Tough for me to talk about because um, when you play 20 years in the National Hockey League, you play 20 years, and I, I've been given more than right. anything. And I'm not. I don't think I'll ever get in, and I, I'm fine with that. And I know that it can be political each year, and there's mm-hmm. great players up each year. And I, man, I hope all my colleagues, and I hope Eric gets in because he made a great contribution to the game. He was the game's, the game's number one player for at least seven years. Yeah. And he was, he was on every billboard, and the NHL sold him. If, if he was playing today, he'd be on every, you know, EA Sports yeah. game as the number one player. So, all that to say is, you know, like, what are we even discussing here? I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah. he's the prototypical forward. Yeah, he's a monster. He's a fantastic. Right. He's a, he, he was 
he was a fantastic contribution to the game. Get over it already. Okay, last question for you. Um, John Van Biesburg on the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for doing this. Who did you fear more, Gretzky or Lemieux? Who scared you well, more? I, yeah, I, I played more against Mario. Right. So every time 66 came over the boards, it was always an issue. <laughs> right. He scored He scored more goals on me than any other play, uh, any other goalie in oh, the NHL. Which oh, did he? Oh, I didn't know that. A I dubious, it's a dubious <laughs> distinction. I'm sure he'll buy me a cigar, a glass of wine, and take me out for a round of golf. But, yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, I have, I, I'm very fortunate to play against two of the greatest sure. players to ever play the game, and I think that, they are different, and they're exciting. But the guy that I played against the most was Mario, and he was trouble yeah. every game. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. You saw a lot of them. You're right. So. Um, well, hey, good luck, John, uh, with the uh, with the All team right. this year, Muskegon Lumberjacks. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate the walk down memory lane and your thoughts yeah. and everything else. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks.